This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Luke chapter 6, we're uh, in the middle of a sermon series on prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, if you would, just follow along, and um, let's start with... Verse 9, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us this morning You would help me, Father, to uh, extrapolate everything that you want us to, not only hear what you're saying, but, Lord, begin to allow it to permeate and seep into our hearts and our wills, Lord, and that we would flesh out, we would walk out the truths that you are sharing with us through your, your holy word, your authoritative word. We say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, we've been really talking about the Lord's Prayer. And it, to me, it's uh, one of the things I love about pastoring. There's lots of things I love. It's about going through the scriptures. And, and when you're uh, the pastor, you want to live out the scriptures as you're preaching it. You don't want to just preach it to the audience and not let it affect you. And so, you know, as I go back in my life here at Mosaic Church, I, I love the, the, the series that we've done from Daniels to Esther to Ruth to the Genesis story, to the Abraham story, to the Song of Solomon, the Daniel story. All these have impacted the Jonah story. We talked about the the Beatitudes, the I Ams. I mean, we have gone through a lot of the scriptures throughout the years, and I believe all of them have made an imprint in my life. And so for that, I'm incredibly grateful. I I believe that I am uh, a different person, and I pray... Uh, a growing person, because allowing the scriptures to uh, impact my life. I like those guardrails in my life. I am well aware where I would be if Jesus had not intervened. I guarantee you this, if Jesus had not intervened in my life, this would not be here. My little grandchildren wouldn't be around my children who are here at church, they wouldn't be here. Maybe I would. I don't know if Robin and I would be here together. If Jesus had not intervened, my life would be radically different. And how do I know that? Because I don't have to look very far. And it breaks my heart just to see some of those and my siblings in their lives. And what it looks like when someone who's not following after the Lord there's ramifications. It's, it reminds me of a story I believe Ravi Zacharias told. Is, it's like um, because of the choices we make. There was a boy that was uh, skateboarding. I guess it was downtown Atlanta. And he was skateboarding down a, a large set of steps. And he got onto that, that railing. I think they call it grinding. I don't know. And he, he went all the way down there. And what happened to him? He fell and busted his head, and Ravi happened to be there. And so Ravi gets to him and says, hey, young man, are you okay? He goes, I, I think. He goes, let me pray for you. Do you mind if I pray for you? And 
The guy said, fine. So he prayed for him. He said, Lord, heal this young man. I pray that there's no permanent damage. In Jesus' name, amen. And the young guy says, thank you. And he was serious. Why did God let that happen to me? Why did God let that happen to me? And that was his first, first, first words out of his mouth. Why did God let that happen to me? You know, Robbie was telling in his book, because you went down the railings, you know, and you were being, you were making decisions in your own life that brought hurt. And when we are not following Jesus, we're not allowing the, the guardrails, if you will, uh, in the, the, from the Word and the Holy Spirit to guide us. And yet we have the audacity, like, where are you, God? You know, I remember thinking that when I was incredibly in debt early on in my life. It's like, you know, how, why am I in this situation? And it's because, and the Lord, it's because you use that credit card. You know, but somehow I, I want to, you know, just project it back onto him and deflect. So I love the scriptures. I love the word. And I pray that it has the same impact in your life. And in the Lord's prayer, has already impacted me. I found that it's, again, reminded me the pattern of prayer. That I don't go rushing in to, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I need uh, my daily sustenance. And that I would slow me down and begin to allow my spirit to be formed. Just like my wife who cooks and I see her with uh, the dough and she puts it into a pan it, to form it. To give it a shape. And so I said, Lord, thank you, Father, that the Lord's prayer is like putting dough into a pan and to give it shape in my prayers. That I, I allow God to be honored and first, foremost, to, to, to put things into perspective. To put things into perspective. And then we go on to say, you know, to honor his name and to revere his name and to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it tells us in Proverbs. All those things. So it has already given me, uh, reminded me of a new form of how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. It reminds me who he is and who I am. And it, and it, and it doesn't scare me in a sense, but it re I'm revered by his, his bigness. The separation between me and a little insect, an ant that we might find in the ground is pretty vast. But... What's greater vastness is between me and God. And so I'm awed by his, his awesomeness, his bigness, his, you know, his power. And yet I'm super awed that he would take time to fellowship with us. Just, I mean, I'm not fellowshipping with ants. I don't have the time for it. I don't have the, the desire for it. I don't know what I can get out of it besides, you know, an ant bite. But God's bigger separation. Yet he wants to fellowship with us. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God, I believe, is saying, listen, we, we need to, we have our new citizens. We are new creatures. Our citizenship is, is not here but it's been brought down and we have a new, new set of papers, a new passport. We are believers and we believe that we can live that heavenly life here.
We sang a song about what God has done. He set us free. I preached a message three three years ago on Easter, and what God has done, you know, not only has he come down and, and he's talked to us, he came in and he set us free, he broke the chains, and not only did he break the chains, he, he opened the door, and not only did he open the door, he grabs our hands and, and encourages us to get out of that prison, and not only get out of that prison, but to, to go to the, to the king and to live with the king, you know, a, 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 a prisoner one moment and living a joint heirs with the king. And not only living with the king, but the king saying, I trust you enough that I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a responsibility. As us as parents, you know, you know that as kids grow up, the, the more responsibilities uh, that you should give them. Not, not all of us have done that. It's being funny here. And he gives us a responsibility. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then last week we talked about bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And what did bread really represent? And yes, it did represent our daily needs. We do need to eat. We do need resources to live. But Jesus is challenging us. It's, these are words associated with a, a bigger uh, backdrop, the exodus, the Jewish people who were in bondage, the Jewish people who were held captive due to their own disobedience, and God had set them free, and now they're on the journey of freedom, and then God in the story, you know, that brings manna from heaven to earth, and he provides for them so they can eat, so they can survive and thrive. And yes, so when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, if you were the listener and you were of a Jewish descent, you knew what he was talking about. There is a connection to the Exodus story. That This is going to be uh, something that will, will sustain us. But there's something more that Jesus talks about. He is the bread of life, that you'll never go hungry. And so that's why when we pray according to his form, it we really, when you say, God, I need, you know, I need more of this or I need more of that. And yes, we do. We, we need food. We need resources. But behind all that, at the end of the day, the truth is that we need more of Jesus. One of the challenges I have as a, as a pastor of a church, and our church in particular, is that we don't really have a lot of resources. I talked to a friend of mine who just took over a church in California, in Santa Cruz, California. And uh, very similar size to our church. Very similar age. Everything was very similar. And he took over the church, almost an identical story. And so um, I, call, I, I pulled him aside and I said, hey, Jeremy, I, I know you got this really blessing, but, I, you know, you're new to this. You know, uh, did, did the church, when you took over in their bank account, did they leave? Was there some resources to help maintain the property, because it takes a lot of money to maintain a property. You know, as you know, we had to do a $9,000 roof, and it, and, and it can be out of balance. And he says, um, <laughs> you know, so I, was, I was concerned for him. You know, I want to give him a heads up, because I saw his parking lot. It was worse than ours. I said, hey, Jeremy, hopefully they left you some money. He goes, Mario, 
they left in the bank cash, $2.5 million. <laughs> like, and I said, and I was worried for you. <laughs> so, uh, and gave them a lot of money. So, but in my mind, you know, I think sometimes that, that if we just had more resources, we could do this and we could do that. But behind all that, yes, give us this day our daily bread. But really, the answer is Jesus. Amen? It's not, there are a lot of churches that don't have Jesus that have $2.5 million. Right? I, I almost want to go into the, the scene where uh, Tevier from, <laughs> from uh, Fiddler on the Roof, like, made the Lord spite me, you know, with, uh, with resources. But Jesus is our bread. He is the bread of life. And when you have Jesus, you have everything. I don't know if you've been reading in the news lately. Have you heard where one of the largest, fastest growing churches is happening across the globe? You want to know where? Iran. There are thousands and thousands of people who are converting to Jesus. And they don't have a building. They don't have $2.5 million. But they have Jesus. He is their bread of life. He is their bread of life. I read another story about a young um, a mom there who has trained her children for persecution. Trained her children for persecution. Because she got thrown into prison, then her husband got thrown into prison. So at one time, the daughter was like eight years old, had to live with uh, an aunt while her parents were in prison. They have Jesus. Have you ever met some of the poorest people, but they have Jesus. I mean, the, when, when I went to Ecuador, and, I, and there's a, a subgroup of uh, indigenous Indians called the Quechuans in the Andes of Ecuador, I walked into their church. It was just, it was a, a rundown storefront, and, but they owned it, and the floors were wood, and so they don't want termites to eat their floor. So you know what they did? They turpentined it. So the first thing you do when you walk in, you smell this petroleum. It, was, it literally almost gave you a headache immediately. But the joy that they had, the joy, the celebration of God's goodness, because Jesus is their bread, it literally crumbled me, it humbled me, it crushed me. I was in the front pew, and I just wept. I said, Jesus, I have shortchanged you. I have sold you for some silver coins. But truly, you are the bread of life. And I just have to continue to remind me that Jesus is the bread of life. And so now brings us to this particular part of our our, uh, scripture here, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And so this sermon is really a backdrop of the life of Jesus. It's it's a summary of Jesus' mission from his Father, his Heavenly Father. And Jesus is sharing this story because he wants you and me to participate. Not just watch, but to participate. Remember last week we talked about our Father which art in heaven. Our Father. There is a participation going on. It's not just my Father. But it's our Father. And then when we talked about last week about those who, who are hungry that don't have any food, it's hard to share the gospel when they're starving to death. And so not only do we 
pray for them, but we actually get a, a go alongside with them. It is participation with them. And here, again, lead us, excuse me, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You affect me and I affect you. We are in this together. This is not uh, individualistic mindset here that is so prevalent in our culture. And forgive us our debt as we have forgiven our debtors. But Jesus is calling us to participate in his mission. He wants us to be active in his mission. Now when Jesus says forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, this is really, I would say, it's a connection to the prodigal son story. And I believe many of you know the prodigal son story. I learned something new this week that really just blew my mind. If you have your Bibles, look to Luke chapter 15, verse 12. It shook me when I found this new cultural truth about this story. I believe this story is really compressed into one line. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. This story is, is the extrapolation of that one line. It's shocking to me. And it was shocking to the audience when Jesus shared this story. You know, so many times that we've been, you know, we, we've, we're so far removed from the context and culture that we don't really get the fullness of it. But the story, from what I understand, when Jesus shares the story of the prodigal son, it's so outrageous because it's never been done before. It is not part of the culture, of the Jewish culture. So when Jesus shares the story, it's like, what? Unheard of. Culturally, totally unacceptable. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you know the story, we won't read it, but the story is that the son, the, the younger son, wants his money. First of all, that would never have ever happened. In other words, the story is unbelievable because it's never been done. The, the audacity of the young brother to say he wants his cut. Now, I know many of you have heard sermons on this, but there's so many much more nuances when we put our, the story into context of the culture. You know, it's not that shocking for maybe an American kid to say, hey, Dad, I want my money now. It's shocking, but not that shocking. Over there, it's not just shocking, it's insulting. It's insulting. So much so that the listeners was like, this, this could never happen. We would never let it happen. And so what's he do? You know, he, he goes off and he, and he squanders it. And I'm not 100% sure if he recognized his wrongdoing, other than he was hungry. And he realized he'd be better off as a servant in his father's house. In the culture of that day, it was never acceptable for a father or a man of prestigious status to run. To run. You know, uh, I, I watched The Crown on, on television. and I can't imagine uh, the queen running for anything, right? Why would she not run? I mean, it's, it's running is beneath her. And in the culture that the story is being read and, and Jesus is telling the story, a father running, a man of prestigious honor, a status, would never run ever in public. 
It's just unacceptable. But Jesus tells a story. It's about a father who runs because of love and compassion. Love and compassion. But guess what? It wasn't just only love and compassion that he ran to the son when he first got a glimpse of him. This is the part that was new to me. Maybe it's not new to you. Maybe you guys are more well-versed in this, but it was new to me. And I've read the story a zillion times. But it was uh, a custom and culture. Uh, the word is kezaza, K-E-Z-A-Z-A-H. That when you have a rebellious son, and we talked about that, they called Jesus the rebellious son. When you have a rebellious son, and when he comes back, and if he squandered his, his money or his resources among the pagans or the non-believers, that be, when he would come back into the community, that he was to be shamed. And they would, they, they, he would be at the town gate or the, the entrance of the community. And then the town elders would come, and everybody would come with these pots, clay pots, and they would smash it at his feet and yell insults. And that was the, the norm. And so when the story of, of the father running after the son, it's as though, the, um, I had to steal the picture. It's as though God is, the father is saying, I don't want my son to experience the harsh insults. And so he runs to shield his son from the community insult and the, the uh, ostracizing of the community. And he, immediately he grabs his son, he protects him from the, the slander and the insults and, and the words that would, would I'm sure, deserve it. But God protects him, or Father protects him. And, and immediately goes into the part of celebration where he kills the fatted calf. So when Jesus says, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors, this is the story he's referring to. It's a reference to, it's compressed down to this one line. That God loves us so much. You know, it's one of the things that separates us from the other world religions. That God runs down and he protects us from the, from the enemy's tactics, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, who comes to hurl insults. And God, our Heavenly Father, sends his son Jesus to shield us from our own decisions that we make, from the own sins that we've committed, and shields us from, the, I believe, the enemy who comes to, to hurl insults and, and to condemn us. Not convict us, but to condemn us. And a heavenly father comes and he shields us. And so when I read this in cultural context that the father is trying to shield his son and to immediately graft him back into the family with the celebration, it's just mind-boggling. And so that's why on Sunday mornings when I'm here, one of the reasons I came back, I could have had a guest speaker, I wanted to come back because I wanted to, to worship God with you because he deserves it because he shielded me from the hurls and the insults of the enemy, that he probably would say truth about me, of my past. Forgive us our debts. And Jesus is telling us, listen, I want to, I want to bring liberation to you. And Jesus is truly, finally, the bread. He's finally that bread. See, the, you remember the story we talked about last week where the Israelites 
We're under captivity in, in Daniel chapter 9. Talks about, you know, this pr- prophetic word that came out in Daniel 9 that uh, so many years, 483 years, 490 years, uh, that's when you'll be set free. And the Israelites had been counting the years, and, and the time of Jesus is that time. But they were still looking for someone to, to uh, release the foot off their necks, the Roman Empire, and they wanted to now put the foot on the Roman Empire. But Jesus is coming to, to bring heaven to earth, a whole different understanding and system. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And, and part of that is, is to be set free from the bondage of the past. And when we live this this kind of life where we allow unforgiveness to fester in our lives, we are saying we still want to live in that bondage lifestyle. When we have unforgiveness in our lives, it's like saying, I prefer to live in the dungeon of the past. Who wants to live in the dungeon of the past? Well, none of us do, but we do when we hold on to that, that idea of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, you know what unforgiveness does? It, it diminishes the image of God in our lives. It's like putting a coating on your lenses. This, on the way to uh, Daytona, on the way there, I, mean, I had to stop twice to clean, and also Atlanta last week, I had to stop twice to, to clean off my windshield from the love bugs. They leave a film that you can't see properly. And it becomes dangerous. And unforgiveness leaves a film on your, your life. It leaves a, a, a place where you can't see clearly. And you allow bitterness and uh, unforgiveness to fester. And, and, and it can. It's like a cancer. And what happens, just like if I, my window was completely, completely covered in this film, it becomes dangerous. Some of the things that we say can be hurtful. Some things that we, we see everything from the lens of hurt. We see everything from the lens of bitterness. And Jesus says in, this, in the, the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So unforgiveness sentences us to live in the life in, uh, the, in the past, a dungeon of the past. And God wants to cl- cleanse us from that. He wants to see uh, us live this life of freedom. Unforgiveness binds us. It puts us back in the shackles. It it, it contains us in a way that we can't live free lives. And so forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Jesus does that, doesn't he? How can we forgive the unforgivable? You don't have to look too far. And if you don't recognize that, I would suggest that you would get on your knees and say, God, reveal to me how much you have forgiven me. How much you have forgiven me. If, if you can't forgive the unforgivable and, and 99% of us here, you know, if you were to share your story, what somebody's done to you, I mean, I know it's hard for you. I get it. But it's not an offense so much that you can't forgive. I'm not saying you need to be their best friends. I'm not saying you need to go on vacation with each other. I'm just saying forgiveness. It's part of God's plan, his master plan. He runs to us. He runs to us to protect us and love us and 
bring us right back into the family when we've been so rebellious and undeserving to be brought in. I believe it's our second song. Bryce, I'd like for us to sing that one in a second. He loves us so much. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our, those who've offended us. Now, we know that a lot of times debt can refer to taxes. Anybody have taxes they have to pay? Amen. It's not good. Uh, but at the same time, there are some things that, there are behaviors that people have uh, done against us. And it's not right what they've done. Forgiveness is not saying I, it's okay what they did. Forgiveness is not saying, um, hey, you know, whatever. It's not saying that. What you're saying is that, God, I want to forgive them and I leave them in your hands. I leave it in your hands. I trust you. When we have unforgiveness, it's almost like you still want to have that be the judge and, and the you know, executioner. You want to, to shelve out the punishment when that time comes by saying, you know, um, maybe mean things. Or even if you say behind their backs, all those things. It's not part of God's plan. God wants to, to, to set us free from that. Read Daniel chapter 9. It's, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, and, and it's the backdrop of the Lord's Prayer. It's a beautiful story of, the, of what God is doing in our lives. So what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? I think one of the things that we can begin to pray, one of the reasons we're doing uh, in all our small groups in our our uh, Sunday morning discovery classes on the book of prayer is that we need to learn how to pray. That's why we're doing the sermon series, how to pray. Pray. We need to pray for our city. You know, you just have to read the news to see what's going on in our city. It's tough. I believe there's, there's, a, there's a, this culture that's in our city that we need to pray and ask God to help us. Lord, have mercy on our city. And help us not to turn a blind eye to the, those things that are happening in our community. Let's, t- let's not turn a blind eye. And, you know, it's so easy to point out to uh, the south side of town to look how crime-ridden it is. And, you know, those are the ones that uh, are posted in the newspaper, the ones that are on the, on the Internet. You know, the crimes that happen there. But there's other crimes that maybe not warrant someone getting arrested by the policeman. But there are crimes where we're worshiping idols in our community. We're worshiping money. We're worshiping those things that don't bring God the greatest glory. And that doesn't get printed in the, in the newspaper. But it is incredibly wrong and offensive to the Spirit of God. So let's pray in a moment. Lord, forgive us our debts. Not just for me, not just for us, but for us. Let's have mercy on our community. It's not us versus them. We rebuke that spirit of us versus them. That's what the culture, that's what I believe the spirit of darkness is seeping into our our country and our culture is that we're trying to separate people and make them us versus them and them are evil. That's how we look at it. I'm always trying to talk to someone. Them are made in the image of God. It's so easy to call them and and, and begin to project and, 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 and 
convince ourselves those are the evil ones. We're the good ones. They're the evil ones. They're the bad people on the south side of the town, and we're the good ones. That's the enemy speaking. That's what he wants us to think. Maybe we have different party affiliations, and we think the other party's the evil one. That's what the enemy wants you to think. Yes, evil things happen on both sides, but our battle's not against flesh and blood. And as Christians, we need to wise up. Blessed are those who are merciful. We talked about this as a church. Merciful is saying, you know what, God, I don't understand, but I'm, I'm going to try to place myself into their shoes. I'm going to place myself into the shoes. You know, I was, I was uh, studying this, uh, this crime situation, and I kept saying, Lord, place me into that boy's shoe, that, the guy that got arrested, that bad kid. Place me into his shoes. Lord, help me have mercy on him, on this horrific crime that he did. And as I began to read his story, you realize fatherless, you know, multiple homes, uh, foster care, never adopted, angry, totally let down in society, totally let down in his family, totally let down in his church. And he commits this crime. And, and even though the crime is wrong, he said, Lord, help me to have mercy for him. He's not the evil one. He's still an imager. He still has to pay the price in society. But let me have mercy on him. Let me have mercy on the person that votes differently than me. Help me to have mercy on the person that looks differently than me. Help me to have mercy on the person that has, doesn't serve Jesus. Doesn't serve Jesus. He's, they are not the evil one. They're made in the image of God. They are imagers. Made in the image of God. And I need to see that other person who doesn't agree with me, doesn't live the way I live, doesn't believe the Bible like I believe. And so forgive us our debts as we forgive those other debtors. It's like saying, God, I need, I, I want to pray for mercy and not only on my life, but for those around me, for those around me in my church. I haven't lived your life. If you voted for someone that's different than me, I love you enough to say, you know what? If I lived your life, I would understand. I may not understand from this perspective, but I love you. You're a human being made in the image of God, and I am not going to stamp you as the other. I'm not going to label you as that other person. You're not going to be evil in my life. You're not. We're going to show mercy to each other. And I would pray that it would be reciprocated. But the enemy, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to pick sides. He wants you to do it. So you hate the other guy, and you feel justified. You feel just. That's antithesis to the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. I'm going to ask uh, Bryce to come on out with the team. Hey, let's just stand. Let's see if it pops up here. Yeah. I'm not sure why the background is there, but can we just stand and we're going to say the, uh, the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to read this version. Yeah, if we can take that background off, that would be awesome, Nat. Let's just wait for a moment as the band gets ready and we'll... Uh, Get the, that's fine.
So let's say this together. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Thank you uh, that you loved us so much that you came down, you ran down, and you, um, you embraced us. When we were repentant, we said, Lord, we want to turn. We're sorry. Lord, I believe you, as the story tells in its culture, Lord, to protect us from fiery darts that would come from the enemy to just just lambast us. You love us and you protect us as a good father. And you bring us right into the family and you begin to celebrate and you graft us in. We say thank you. Lord, help us to forgive our debts. Lord, we thank you for forgiving our debts and those who have offended us. Lord, we pray for our city. We do not look at them as others, us and them. We don't play that game here. It's not your game the way you want your church to behave. People who look, have different skin color than us, come from a different part of the globe. They are not them, they is us. They is us, Lord. Thank you for taking that film off our eyes as we forgive and you've forgiven us Lord you take those film off our eyes and and Lord you allow us to walk in the spirit of of mercy and forgiveness Lord forgive us for living in the dungeon of the past and being weighed down because we've held on Lord, we trust you. We let things go into your hands. Lord, we trust that you will be the perfect judge and you will dispense justice. We leave it in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Every eye closed, every head bowed, and asking the band to do the same, but You say, Pastor Mark, just can you pray for me? I'm having, uh, not easy for me to forgive this particular event or thing that happened or person. Just raise your hand. We're going to just pray with you. Lord, we say thank you. We love you. Lord, we say thank you that you you not only uh, are giving us the template of how to live, you through your Holy Spirit have given us the power to live that. And Lord, we ask that you would just help us right now in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. To live the life you called us to. We trust you. We love you. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.